This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Okay, that was serious and that's over. <coughs> I need to get this off. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks. Just uh, thanks for, I'm a little overwhelmed. Sorry. Um, um, uh, <clears throat> I generally am pretty nervous. Uh, and then uh, against my wife's good judgment, uh, I said, yeah, let's do the ordination and then let me preach straight afterwards. Uh, so I need to start listening a bit better. But, but welcome to you. Um, thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Thank you for being here. Um, if you came for me, I'm not sure why. Um, there will be an opportunity for prayer later. Please make sure you come forward. You need to be prayed for. Um, uh, but thank you, honestly. Thank you to everybody, um, friends and family, and of course, uh, of course, you guys, the, the Shofarians, the, the regulars, the ones who are here um, every Sunday. Uh, it's, a, it's a joy to, to be able to be in this position, um, to be able to serve you. Uh, I'm truly humbled by the opportunity, and I want to thank you. Uh, truly, over the years, for the immense love um, that you've that you've just heaped upon me, uh, it's been incredible to just be a part of this family and to and to grow uh, in this house uh, and alongside alongside you guys. So so thank you. This really has been a, a lifelong journey for me. Um, I sat with Andre actually earlier this week, and <clears throat> we were chatting about calling. And uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I remember even even as a young boy, I, I looked at the priest. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, I could, I could do what he does. Um, I'm sure I could, I'm sure I could do that, you know. I was kind of a little bit, a little bit drawn to, to that leadership role. Um, <clears throat> I later found out about the celibacy clause in that contract. Uh, <clears throat> and I soon realized he was probably speaking to the guy in the pew behind me. But, but from young, uh, I just knew that God was, he was leading me somewhere. He was, he was calling me, preparing me. Um, to be in a place where uh, I could step into a church leadership role. I started visiting Shofar in, in 2009. Uh, we, were, we were in Lavender Blue in a little coffee shop. I was, uh, I was attracted to the coolness of the church in the coffee shop. Um, but from, from then on and subsequent years, I, I started to hear the voice of God. I started to hear God speaking to me like I hadn't before. You know? And I sat under teaching from, from Andre and Sonica and, and others, and uh, I was just surrounded by by people who who, who were living a life that um, that I wanted to live, a life that I desired, and I I found love, and I found acceptance, and I found freedom, and I found favor in this house and in the presence of God, and and God started to speak to me personally, in a big way through through Andre and Sonica, um, through friends, through through elders. He started to release things over me, and I started hearing words that I had never heard before. People saying things about me that I that I never heard. You have a gift on your life. You have a call. God is calling you to something. You love people well. You have a gift to communicate, and many many more personal things. And I started to grow in that. And year after year, those things got confirmed. And just a disclaimer right here, uh, we're a church that believes that God still speaks. Okay, I know there is theology out there that says that 
you know, once the biblical canon was, was sorted, God stopped speaking directly to his people. You can have a theological debate with me, um, and more than likely you will win. Uh, you can argue me under the table when it comes to theology. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm coming for you. Um, but you cannot argue away my experience. You cannot argue away the fact that I have heard God speak several times to me personally, and I have seen and walked in those words. I have seen them come to pass, and I see them coming to pass more and more as I walk with the Lord. You know, God first spoke to his people, to his people directly, then he spoke through the prophets, then he spoke through Jesus, and then Jesus left, and he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. So if you're going to argue with me that, uh, that you, you don't think that God still speaks, I'm going to ask you, have you met the Holy Spirit? Because nobody who has met the Holy Spirit and knows him intimately will doubt that God still speaks. He still speaks every day, and he wants to speak, and he wants to speak through you. You know, we're going into a month now, as, as Andre mentioned, just focusing on the prophetic uh, we've just completed our, our, an apostolic month, month and a bit, um, and now we're moving into, into this season. In other words, we, we are focusing on hearing the voice of God. We're focusing on understanding it, on releasing it, on stewarding it, on speaking it over one another. Do you know that you wouldn't be sitting in this church today if we didn't have leaders who heard God's voice and listened? Just last week, Andre shared the story of... Um, of being in Lavender Blue in a meeting with 12 people, 12 people in the church, and he heard God say, prepare for growth, buy chairs. And the people around him said, what are you doing? You're wasting time. You're wasting money. This is never going to grow into anything. But Andre went out and he bought chairs and he bought sound equipment. And you are now sitting in a row, some of you, that have more than 12 people in them in a single row. Two weeks ago, in this church, over two services, we had 500 adults and 100 kids join our outreach service. I'm not, I'm not saying that to impress you with numbers. We're not focused on numbers. Numbers are great, of course. More, more people means more impact. But I'm trying to tell you that God spoke when we were just 12. And we had 500 people in this venue. The word of God was released, and something happened. God promises, and then he fulfills those promises. And the Bible is full of promises. There are differing opinions on how many promises are found um, in the scriptures. There's one, there's one uh, camp that believes there's something like 30,000 promises in the Bible. There are only like 31,000 scriptures, so I think that's a bit of an inflation. But that guy has a lot of confidence, so good for him. But it's more, it seems like most scholars settle on about 8,000 promises in the Bible. 8,000 promises. It's safe to say that our God is pretty into promises. And what's interesting is there's actually no biblical Hebrew word for the word promise. If the word is rendered um, in English, it's usually from the Hebrew word amar or debar. These are words that just mean talk, speak, say, word. They're simply speaking words. So in other words, when God speaks, when a word comes out of his mouth, it's a promise. It's a promise from God. When he speaks, it's, it's a promise. Webster's Dictionary defines a promise as a declaration that something will 
or will not be done or given. So when God speaks, he promises. And when he promises, it is his will for something to happen. He is declaring that something will be given. Something will be passed to you. I am promising you something. So my question this morning is, what has God spoken over your life? What promises has he spoken to your heart? Because I want to make sure that you don't miss them this morning. One of the promises that, that, that has been spoken over this church is the promise of heavy rains. That the heavy rains are coming. And that's been confirmed more than once or twice. That word has often come over this church. The heavy rains are coming. What does that mean? There is an outpouring of spirit. There is new life coming. We heard it this morning in Karen's word. There is an outpouring of the spirit coming. There is new life coming to this church. So that's where, we, where we're focusing on. Our, our, um, um, our vision as a church is to see revival come to hearts, to homes, and to cities. We want to see revival. We want to see fresh outpouring, fresh rain coming in our midst. So the title of our series for the month, as Andre said, is Heavy Rains. Um, and I want to start off this morning by just taking us to the verse in the Old Testament where this comes from. So it's, uh, it's 1 Kings 18. And uh, 1 Kings 18 contains the, the very epic story um, of the showdown between Elijah and the Baal prophets. It's basically like a bra off on top of Mount Carmel. They challenge each other to see whose God can roast the choppies the best. So the bowl prophets dance around all morning and nothing happens. And then Elijah calls on God and God just shows off. He just rains fire from heaven that even the rocks at the altar, the sacrifice was sitting on the altar, everything gets burned up. Everything gets consumed. And then following this epic context is another story a little less flames, but it's just as incredible. So let's, let's read the scripture from verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant, servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Now this morning, I want to use this passage of Scripture as well as another well-known story, which is um, the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho coming down. And I want to use it to help us assess or recommit or put in place for the very first time something I'm calling a promise protocol. Okay, what is a promise protocol? Basically, a way to manage the promises of God in our lives. Very simply, we need to have a plan to manage what God wants to put in place in our lives. They say if you fail to plan... You plan to fail. So the first step of the promise protocol is be promise primed. Okay, there are a lot of P's coming your way. Hold on. Hold on. Let's go back to, to verse 41, our key scripture this morning. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. 
So if I asked you, how would you know that there is a heavy rain coming? What, what would that sound like? What would you tell me? What would you hear? Thunder. You would hear thunder. Okay, so if you and I were standing alongside each other and all of a sudden there was an incredibly violent clap of thunder above our heads, would it be necessary for me to turn to you and say, hmm, looks like rain? You know, I don't think anyone, as much as you love small talk, no one's going to go to the weather in that situation. It's very obvious that there is a heavy rain coming. So I'm willing to go on a limb and say that Elijah didn't hear an audible sound. Otherwise, everyone else would have. Instead, I believe that he heard the still, small voice of God saying, Elijah, there is a heavy rain coming. But often we expect a loud, booming voice, don't we? God didn't speak unless it's thundering down out of the clouds of heaven. But Elijah shows off his intimacy here. He shows off his intimacy with God. He hears the voice. He knows him well. He knows the sound of his master's voice. And he shows great faith too. Remember, we're in the third year of a very serious drought in Israel here. A drought that, that he actually prophesied. But he knows that when God speaks, things happen. Things change. Elijah shows that he was primed for the promises of God. He was ready. He was prepared. Just a small sound, and he's listening. And we should be like that too. Always ready, always prepared to hear the voice of God in our lives. God created us to have a relationship with him. How do we have relationship if we're not talking, if we're not communion, commun- communing, if we're not listening to him? What's a relationship without communication? A marriage. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My wife's going to tackle me. No, a relationship without communication is more than likely a divorce because you cannot have a relationship without communication. It takes talking. It takes listening. And in the case of God, we, do, we need to believe that he always wants to speak to us, that he is always speaking and he desires to speak to us. We need to prime ourselves to hear the voice. So let's look at how, how Joshua did it. Uh, we're going to start at the end of chapter 5 in the book of Joshua, verse 13. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword sword in his hand. I can't help imagining a man with a little like doodle of a sword in his hand. Okay, but he's not. He's got a drawn sword out of his sheath. And Joshua went out to him and says, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Look at this. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. And asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Wow. What a response. The moment he realizes, the moment he realizes that this person who stands in front of him is a messenger of the Lord, he drops face down and he says, I'm all ears, Lord. Speak to me. I want to hear what you have to say. How many of us come to church on a Sunday with an expectation to hear from God. How many of us come to, come to the Bible when we open the Word? How many of us have an expectation to hear from God through the Scriptures? How many of us engage with other Spirit-filled believers? 
and come with an expectation that God can speak through them. We've lost our reverence for God's message and his messenger. Do you believe God still speaks? Do you believe he still wants to speak to you? Then we need to stop approaching the message of God so casually. We walk in here, say how's it to a couple of people, worship starts, we're still thinking about last night or what we're having for lunch. We're in the presence of God. And there's a message God wants to speak. God wants to speak to us every time we come into his presence. We need to yearn for it. In every situation, we need to be prepared. We need to be primed for the promises of God. Okay, promise protocol number two. Begin a promise pursuit. Okay, note what happens next in both of our stories. In Kings. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Let's hear from Joshua. Chapter 6 now. Verse 1, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Okay, then he dishes out um, just a, a series of commands, instructions of what they are to do. So march around the city, have the seven priests on the horn, front of the ark, people around, uh, blasts and so on. So he receives the message. And then this is where I want you to take note. We're on verse 6 now. I jumped ahead a bit. So Joshua, son of Nun, consulted his wife, then his pastor, who took it to the elders. They all fasted and prayed for 40 days. Findings were inconclusive, so Joshua read tarot cards, rolled the bones, and ultimately decided to spend the next three years waiting for another sign. Oh, sorry, I think I put the wrong translation here. Let's read yours. Where, where are we there in verse 6? We got it. Verse 6. Okay. So Joshua, so there we go. There we spoke. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. Next verse. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. So the message comes, the, the promise is received, and the pursuit begins. Joshua calls the priests. He orders the army. Elijah heads up the mountain to pursue the promise, promise in prayer. How fascinating is that? Eh? God speaks. He speaks a promise. But still, Elijah goes to contend for that promise. He goes to pursue that promise in prayer. He goes after it. There's a lesson in there for us. But something else happens when God speaks. Right in that moment, the sirens start wailing in hell. Because the devil is very attentive to the voice of God. He knows that the word of God is like a seed. And if that thing grows, it can bear fruit. If it takes root, it's going to grow into something and it's going to bear fruit. So right there, when God speaks, a fight breaks out. And we get a glimpse of this reality in the book of Daniel. An angel appears to Daniel and says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come to respond to them. But the prince of Persia, of the Persian kingdom, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, 
for the vision concerns a time yet to come. How's that? Something was going to be released that would set the people up for something to come. A promise, a prophecy was going to be explained to Daniel, and the angel was detained. The moment he heard the prayer, he went out, but he was detained. There is a fight. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a fight in the spirit for your life. And there's just a fight in the spirit for the promises of God over your life. When God speaks a promise, he hands you a seed with the potential for growth and the potential to bear fruit. But an attempted robbery takes place at that moment. The devil comes after that seed. And what's one of the primary ways the devil does this? He simply sows doubt. What is the very first accusation leveled against God in the Garden of Eden? Genesis 3. Did God really say? He attacks the clarity and the legitimacy and the authority of God's word. And he hasn't stopped since. You know, I believe oftentimes that the devil doesn't care too much that the word gets spoken. Because he knows that he can influence what you do with that word. He can influence what you do with that seed. You know, when you get an idea seemingly out of nowhere um, for a business venture that has the potential to, to employ thousands of people and, and, and raise families out of poverty, but you take that seed and you put it in your pocket because one of your colleagues said, no, that'll never work. Or someone speaks over your life that they see, they see a powerful ministry over you. That's going to break chains. And that seed that gets handed to you comes in the form of a, of a counseling ministry that would see hundreds of people set free and made whole again. But you take that seed and you place it in your pocket. Because what difference can you ever make in this world? Or the call goes out for, for international missions. Foreign missions to a foreign country. And you believe that's a misuse of funds. You can't be wasting money flying all over the world to spread the gospel. The devil has convinced you to take that seed and place it in your pocket. A seed that could have potentially given you such a heart for the nations that you became a full-time missionary. The devil was speaking. The devil was speaking in each of those things, trying to steal the promises of God over your life. He knows if you can just get you to doubt that word and put that seed in your pocket, It'll never grow. All the potential that's locked up in a seed completely dies when you don't plant it and nurture it and water it and watch it grow. That's why we need to begin an immediate pursuit of the promise. Write it down. Steward it well. If you don't believe God speaks to you or God's got no promises for you, are you stewarding the ones that he has given you? Have you written them down? Are you praying over them? Are you up on the mountain contending for that promise to come to pass? Promise protocol number three. Find a promise partner. The promises of God are not always popular. Ask Joseph. 
he shared his promise with his brothers. And they got so jealous that they threw him in a pit. Before, before Joseph's promise came to pass, he went through the pit and the prison before finally arriving in the palace. Jesus says in, in Matthew 7 verse 6, he says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under, your feet, under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. We need to surround ourselves with like-minded people. People who are going to support the call and promises in our life. People who are going to pray with us. People who are willing to partner with us in seeing these promises come to pass. I think of Elijah's servant. And if I was that dude, like on the third time, I would have gone up, seen nothing, and found another goat path and gone off to serve another master. But he, but he, was, he was there. He knew. He knew that God is speaking here. I think he, he knew also that the heavy rains were coming. He believed. Israel's army, they banded around Joshua. I'm sure they had to, in a way. He was the commander. But he didn't exactly give them the most inspiring locker room pep talk. He just told them the thing. He said, go for it. You know, they had to trust that the word that Joshua had received would come to pass. It would come to pass. So I surround myself all the time with people who believe in the call on my life, who speak it over me. That's why year after year, I've had God's promises confirmed and affirmed in me all the time. And if you can't name a handful of people that are doing the same thing in your life, then I want to ask you to start praying for that. Start praying for God to put people in your place who can support you, who can come alongside you, who can be a promise partner in your life. And better yet, start being that person. If you want to see those people come into your life, start being that guy for people around you. Okay, and then finally, promise protocol number four. Develop a promise perseverance. Okay, I'm sure everyone is familiar with uh, the game rock, rock, paper, scissors. Right, okay. Paper, paper beats rock, rock crushes scissors, and what have we left? Scissors cuts paper. Okay, I want to in introduce a fourth player to the game. Water. Don't know how we'll do that one. Okay. So water, how do you think water would fare in the game? Okay, can, can paper hold water? Not really, no. Water will dissolve paper. Water wins. Okay. Can you cut water with scissors? No, you can try. But can water eventually rust scissors? Yes, water wins. What about water versus rock? Water wins. Not by strength, but by perseverance. Water doesn't win by strength, it wins by perseverance. Think of a rock, a river up against the canyon. Think of the deep groove that it makes over time. Persistent, persevering, flowing, going up against the rock. We need that kind of strength, we need that kind of perseverance to develop in our lives. Let's go back to 1 Kings, uh, verse 43. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servants. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant, servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. 
Let's go to Joshua. Verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Someone used to hear this this morning. Don't stop on six. Don't stop on six. We need to persevere to see our promises come to pass. God has a victory for you. You have to persevere. You've come this far. A promise process is seldom short, seldom straight to the point. It's very seldom linear. Ask Noah. Ask Abraham. Ask Joseph. Ask Jesus. All too often we, we see a passage of time between promise spoken and promise fulfilled. And in that time, there is a lot of opposition that comes. I'm not, I'm not stepping into what I am today because of a promise I received last week. Not even last month, not even last year. This is a decade-long journey for me that God has been speaking to me about year after year. He has promised this to me, and only now I am stepping into it. And it, and it hasn't been an easy journey. It hasn't been a point A to point B, no obstacles, it's been fraught with a lot of stuff, a lot of obstacles, a lot of disappointments along the way. We need to develop a grit that won't quit. Hebrews 10 verse 36 says this, you need to persevere so, when that, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, then you will receive what he has promised. I want to say this, God can make you a promise that you won't possess if you don't persevere. God can make you a promise that you won't possess if you don't persevere. So that makes me think that perseverance is a really important thing. If God has something for my life and there's a possibility that I'm going to miss it due to a lack of perseverance and I'm not going to possess that promise because I fall away, then perseverance is an incredibly important thing to me. And if, if the enemy came to try and steal that promise from you in the beginning, don't think he's going to stop now. In fact, the period of perseverance is sometimes the hardest. That's when the enemy comes for you, because not a lot is happening sometimes. It seems like not a lot is going on. There are several pitfalls that can stand in the way of us possessing our promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just speak about three, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with this. Possession pitfall number one. We lose promise perspective. Let's look at verse one of Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, no one came in. Now let's look at verse two. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Verse one. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. Verse 2c, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. See what, God? No, I don't. All I see is massive fortified walls. That's all I see in front of me. 
Have you ever felt that what you see in your life just doesn't match what God has spoken to your heart? Have you ever felt like God is promising you victory, but you feel defeated? Have you ever felt like God is promising you healing, but inside you just feel broken? Have you ever felt like God is is promising you beauty, but you're just left holding ashes? Have you ever felt like God was promising you provision, but you're staring at an empty bank account? When God promises rain in the middle of the drought, and you look down, you're never going to possess that promise. What did Elijah do? He went up the mountain. He went up the mountain to get the perspective of God. To see, Lord, what's your perspective on this? I can't, all I see is I'm kicking stones around in the dirt. There's a drought in front of me. But Lord, you are promising rain and I want to see what that looks like. I want to see over the walls. I want to see what the promise is that you have for me. Don't allow the walls of your situation to block the promises that God has for you. Get a heavenly perspective and start persevering until possession. Possession pitfall number two, we don't see any promise progress. So when it comes to living out the promises of God, the progress is not always obvious. But that's like life, isn't it? You know that if you get into the gym for the very first time with the goal of becoming a men's health swimsuit cover model dude, you wish that you could just, you know, do one sit-up and pop an air out. Hey? Imagine the motivation. You could do six reps and go home. Six pack. Come on. <laughs> but it's not like that, eh? Unfortunately, it's not. It's going to take years of sit-ups. At least a year's worth of sit-ups before you start seeing anything. Some of you, two years. But we love that. Hey? We love progress. We love to see progress when we, when we get down to something. But we don't. So often we don't see immediate progress. And we fade away. That's why we have more people who could be on the cover of Farmers Weekly than we can who be on the cover of Men's Health. We, lo- we lose our way. Sorry, that was a bad joke. And I'm sure the guys felt the same way. Cruising around the walls, not seeing anything happen. Why couldn't God drop a row of bricks every time? Imagine that. Imagine the motivation. They would have known, yes, we're going for it. Something's happening. I can see I'm, I'm, I'm chased up. We can do it. I can see that something's happening. There's progress. Even with Elijah's servants. I mean, imagine he saw a little thumbnail-sized cloud first, then a finger size, and then a hand size. He would have been jumping up and down that mountain saying, there's stuff happening. There's progress. I can see that God is working. We love progress. We love to see it. But the progress on on the path of God is not always obvious. No matter what we're seeing in front of us, we need to develop a perseverance to continue walking towards his promise, to continue praying, to continue pursuing the promise in our life. Okay, the final pitfall Possession pitfall number three, we tire from the promise process. You know, the, prom- the, promise, the process sorry, is often very open-ended. We don't really know what's going on. Um, this, this Friday, our girls had a, um, uh, a sp- spring skip at school. 
So they had to um, they had to skip for a minute and see how many skips they could get in that minute. Um, so um, Han and I were we had some rigorous training sessions with them in the garage. Um, we were skipping it out there in ball skills and the whole works. Um, it wasn't long before uh, I like to test my capabilities. So it wasn't long before I picked up the rope and and had a go at it. Um, I did about 120 something, I think, that first go in a minute. So I was pretty chuffed. That's two per second. Thank you. Um, uh, and then competitive um, Hannah May over here also picked up the rope and she went for it. I pipped her the first few times, but uh, in her last effort, she got to 160 something. Yeah. And she always inflates her count though. So we had to, we, she filmed it once and she was about 10 out. So uh, I need to audit that. But anyway, I got like some 150 something. Anyway, so we're close. We're neck and neck. We're dueling it out. Um, my goal is 180 skips. That's three per second. Yeah, that's the goal. But I'm just, truth be told, I'm using a kid's like skipping rope. So it's difficult. Kind of got to jump up and get under it. Anyway, no, my point is that we can, in, we can endure and we can persevere most things when we know how long the period is. I can skip for a minute, it burns, but I can do it because I know it's going to come to an end. It's the same as running. If, if you, whether you're running a 5K or, or a marathon, once you've done 4Ks, you know there's just a K left. You can continue going. It's hurting, but you can continue going. You're through 40Ks in the marathon, you know just 2Ks left, you're almost home. We can persevere when we know that there's an end to the process. We can see it's measurable. Elijah wasn't given the praise seven times formula. He didn't know. God just said there's rain coming, and he went to pursue it. He persevered until he saw the promise come to pass, until he possessed his promise. Joshua did know. He knew seven times. What's the formula? But interestingly enough, nowhere in that text does it say that he actually told the, the rest of the people. So they were walking around, not seeing any bricks fall, walking around and around and around, just waiting, just waiting. But they knew that God had promised. This is the promised land. This is what you have for us. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep going through this. It's a tough process. But you need to be told this morning, don't stop on six. Don't stop on six. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.